0: We're in this fact or fiction series and I keep saying this stuff really matters. I keep pressing into the fact that it really makes a difference if you believe in a literal historical account of Genesis. And what we can come to understand is how the different people groups came to be, how the great world religions came to be, and this text has a lot to do with that. In fact, let's look at our memory verse for last week and this week. And y'all go ahead and say that with me. It's God promising to Abram, who would become Abraham, I'm gonna bless you and through you, I'm gonna birth an entire nation. In fact, it would be the Jewish people. So join me, please. I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Good. It's Genesis twelve three. Now, look at it for a moment. Remember those words we focused on last week, like blessing. Let's take some uh, words out. I think you know it. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be Blessed. Very good. And so last week we said, look, God bless you means so much more than a response to a sneeze. God's blessings often come through unlikely people and impossible circumstances. And God's blessings for many often come through the obedience of one. Now, yes, the one is Abram in the story, but the ultimate one would be a descendant of Abram, the Lord Jesus Christ. I was going to call this message obedience before understanding and I thought that was a pretty good title but a few weeks ago as I was working on this trying to get ahead for this mission trip and some teaching there uh, I said Cindy if you come up with something better I think we might have been eating lunch or something I said if you come up with something better shoot me a text and so that same day I'm working and I'm writing and she sent me a text with two words obey anyway and I said oh that's better And so I decided I'm going to use that, obey anyway. And I I got to thinking about that, obey anyway. I I married a poet and didn't know it, right? She can rhyme any time. That's enough. It's getting rough. Okay, so let's move on. Let's move on. Married a rapper with a beautiful flapper. No, I'm kidding. Okay, that's enough of that. Okay, but obey anyway. When she said that or when she texted me that, I thought that's what it is, right? God tells us to do something, and we'll talk about how we get God's revelation. That's very important, not just, oh, I have a fuzzy feeling. No, 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 no. God confirms a call, and you say, but God, I don't like that. The Bible tells us, obey anyway. But God, I don't understand that. We are to obey anyway. But God, I'm really scared. What are we to do, church? Obey anyway. But, but God, I'd rather do it this way. I do that a lot. I'd rather do it this way. What do we say? Obey anyway. But God, I don't yet have the resources to do what you've asked me to do. Obey anyway. Yet y'all are getting it. Some of y'all are a little slow on the uptick this morning. But God, what will other people think? Obey anyway. There you go. But, 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 but. Right? We can make all manner of excuses, but when God says it, we obey anyway. I hope you get the point of that, but we got to be careful We're going to see from Abram's story, he does the first part right. It's like Noah. He does the first part right, but he doesn't do the second part right. And I've always been curious, why does he fall apart like that? Well, God still chooses to bless him. So let's see his story. Stand with me as we honor the reading of God's word. And, of course, God tells him, look, get out of your country from your family. I'm going to bless you, make you a great nation, make you a great name. And I love verse 4, so... Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him. And Lot, his nephew, went with him. Remember, his father had passed. And Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And because we knew Sarah was about 10 years his younger, that, of course, makes her 65. And it says, Abram... Took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions, all they'd gathered, and the people whom they'd acquired in Haran, meaning sort of their family group, their employees, servants, they had them all together. They departed to go to the land of Canaan. Remember, Canaan is the son of Ham, the son of Noah. And where he and his people settled became the land of Canaan. And when you hear land of Canaan, think two things. That's the promised land. And today, that's what we call the holy land. Okay? So that's where we are. They're departing for Canaan. And they came to the land of Canaan, and Abram passed through the land to the pit place of Shechem, as far as the terebinth tree of Morah, and the Canaanites were then in the land. And then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your descendants I will give this land. Weird, weird promise again. He doesn't even have a kid. He's 75, his wife is 65, but God made a promise. And so there Abram built an altar to the Lord who appeared to him. And he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, house of God. And he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built another altar to the Lord. Look at this. And he called on the name of the Lord. That's important. And so Abram journeyed, going still toward the south. But there, now we get a detour. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land, meaning in the land of Canaan. So you got to take that trek down into the African continent, to the north in Africa. I'm sorry, in Egypt. And it came to pass, when he was close to entering Egypt, that he said to Sarah, his wife, Indeed, I know that you are a woman of beautiful countenance. Therefore, it will happen when the Egyptians see you, that they will say, This is his wife, and they'll kill me, but they'll let you live. Please say, You're my sister." <laughs> Come on, Abram. Please say you're my sister and that it may be well with me for your sake and that I may live because of you. And so it was when Abram came into Egypt that the Egyptians saw the woman. She was very beautiful. So it's almost like a supernatural touch here, right? Not to say you can't be beautiful at 65, but so beautiful that Pharaoh wants you in his house. And so God has his hand on this couple. And princes of Pharaoh also saw her and commended her to Pharaoh. And the woman was taken to Pharaoh's house. And so he treated Abram well for her sake, thinking he was his brother, of course. And he had sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys, and camels. But the Lord plagued Pharaoh. I've always been curious, why did he not plague Abram? The Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarah, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, what is this you've done to me? And why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why did you say she's my sister? I might have taken her as my wife. Thankfully, that had not yet happened. Now, therefore, here's your wife. Take her and go away. And so Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away with his wife and all that he had. Let's pray. Father, this is an incredible story here. It's a great narrative, but there are some shifts that I didn't see coming. And sometimes we've read things so many times we read it too quickly to see how the twists and turns of the stories unfold. But I pray today that through the twists and the turns, you would help us to key on the major truths that are here. Let us not get sidetracked into the peripheral, but let us focus on being an obedient people and avoiding those detours that can distract and even destroy. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of your church. Thank you for what you did in the life of Abram, who would be Abraham, the father of a multitude. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you and be seated. So if you want to jot down some things on your grace notes, let me give you number one in your listening guide. When the Lord gives us a clear word, we must obey regardless of age or understanding. When the Lord gives us a clear word, we must obey regardless of age or understanding. If you just were to scan back over the first half of chapter 20, You're going to see in verses 1 to 9, particularly 4 to 9, Abram just does what God tells him. He doesn't have a lot of instruction. Leave your father's house. Get out from your country. I'm going to show you where you're going to go. I'm going to make your your name great. And he's 75 years old. Rarely in the Bible do we really get a lot of age markers on people. We don't get that a lot, particularly in the Old Testament. We don't get a whole lot except like the age of their death. But here we get age markers, several of them in the narrative on Abram's life. It's testifying to God's mighty work in his advanced age. If some of you are 75 and up today and you think, well, God's, not, God's finished with me or I'm retired from the ministry or the work, don't buy that lie. God's still going. Maybe God's getting ready to start something new in your life. Uh, And they go to Canaan, right? This is the geological, or I'm sorry, geographical stage for God's act of salvation. This is where Jesus will be born. It's where he'll do the bulk of his ministry, a little bit of a flight into Egypt. But Jesus works around this area, the land of Canaan, the promised land. He is crucified for our sins, buried and raised by the power of God in this land. And of course, it's not that big of a deal that Abram's 75 and he's going to have descendants, but it is a very big deal for Sarah who was barren and who is 65 and yet she's still going to have a child because when the Lord gives us a clear word, we got to obey regardless of age or understanding. Now, I don't mean be foolish and run ahead of the Lord. I can do that if I'm not careful, but I don't mean be lazy and lag behind the Lord. I can do that too and say, oh, I don't yet have the faith to step out here. But to be in lockstep with God and his instructions. And remember, I told you last week, God gave him all the instruction he needed. He didn't specifically get into the details with him yet. But he said, Abram, I'll guide you here. I'm going to guard you here. I'm going to help you. Clearly, Abram didn't fully surrender and believe God. We'll come back to that. But Abram did decide whether or not he would obey. And thankfully, unlike Jonah, Abram obeyed quickly. No questions asked. No altering the plans. He got up, packed his bags, and he went on to where the Lord told him to go. He's a great example, a quintessential example of following God's call. But how do we get a clear word from the Lord? Remember, the Bible's not written yet. God is going directly and speaking to man. We call those theophanies, God showing up. God getting even anthropomorphic features like arms and face and hands and feet but in these theophanies God is giving a precursor to his word this word would not be written down till many many years later many generations later by a guy named Moses who wrote Genesis Exodus Leviticus Numbers Deuteronomy but how do we get a word from the Lord well jot this down if you're a note taker now the bible is God's primary way of communicating with us the bible Thus saith the Lord from the Bible. And prayer is our primary way of communicating with God. That's why both are essential daily. Now, guys, God can speak to us when we pray. Prayer is not a monologue. However, be very, very, very careful. God told me. If you come to me and say, God told me, I'm going to say, where's your chapter and verse? Because God is primarily going to speak to us in the word, and it may be confirmed with prayer or other things, but it's primarily in the word because the canon's closed. God's not given any new revelation. So if God called you, God used these verses, these very verses of Genesis 12 to give me clarity on our call to Florida um, back in 2013-14. God... Used Revelation 3 and words to the church of Philadelphia to confirm his call of me coming here. To have the joy of serving with a great team as your pastor. God used the word first. The word came first. And if the word doesn't come first, be very careful because it may be your feelings, not God's call. But here, Abram got a word from the Lord under this tree at Mor- Morah, or Moriah. And he heard God say, to your descendants I'll give this land. Didn't even have a kid. But he said, I'm going to give this to your descendants. Then he moves to Bethel, and he builds an altar there and calls on the name of the Lord. You see, the people of Babel wanted to make a name for themselves. But God, through Abram, said, I'm going to make your name great. And so what really counted now is he's calling on the name of the Lord. That word in Hebrew means to preach, to proclaim. He is verbally, vocally praising God. In other words, what we find here is really the birth of our faith. This is the birth of our faith. Abram, almost everybody recorded around him all over the world scattered now are recorded polytheists. They worship the God of the sun and the moon and the river and all of that. Abram is really our first recorded true monotheist. I I realize that people like Abel sacrifice to God but Abram is building altars and Abram is calling on the name of the Lord and so this is an open confession of his faith Isaac would later build an altar his son he would build an altar to commemorate the Lord's appearance to him and Jacob his son Abram's grandson would build an altar in Shechem what are we learning in this then well it's a phrase I like to use quite often understanding may take time but obedience must be immediate Delayed obedience is disobedience. I tell my kids that a lot. Unless you are uncertain. Now listen, don't run ahead of God. If you are uncertain, if you are lacking peace, if you have a check in your spirit, that would not be from God. And I'll tell you why. God is not the author of confusion. God is the author of peace. God will give you a peace and a sense of calm even if you don't understand the details. In fact, Henry Blackaby would say, pray from the heart of God. I love that. He said, I'm going to be so in line with God. I've heard Dr. Black be at several prayer conferences over the years. And he would say, I'm so in line with God that I'm praying from God's heart. I'm starting to know what God is saying because I'm saturated in the Scriptures and I'm praying from God's heart. Now, I'm going to be honest with y'all. I haven't done that the greatest, particularly with my own call. I expressed last week that God began to call me in 96 and I surrendered in 98 at the age of 22. And yet, I'm going to tell you something I've never told a church before. In fact, it's only really become clear to me in recent years. Cindy and I have never even discussed this a lot. I did have a faith struggle at 14. We were at a camp in North Carolina at the coast. and Man, I didn't know if I even believed in God. Um, But I was under such deep conviction through a concerned student pastor and through the word of God, through Ephesians chapter 6. God brought me back to himself. And I believe, looking back on it this many years removed, over uh, 30 years removed, I believe God was calling me to serve him at 14. Actually, I believe God was calling me to surrender at 14. I did not do that. I ran for the next eight years and I had a lot of life experiences. I was already in the music scene. I began to travel. I went all over the world. I did shows, had incredible experiences, but there was a gnawing sense that it was not quite right. There was a gnawing sense that I wasn't dead center in the will of God and I never had the full peace of God, though I did know I was a child of God. And I believe in hindsight, had I to do it over again, and you don't get a do-over, but had I to do it over again, I think maybe if I had been more in tune with the Word of God, because here's the deal, you'd look at my life and you wouldn't see too many things, you'd say, well, he was terrible, there were some, plenty of mistakes, plenty of mistakes. But most of the time you'd say, well, that was a great experience, that was a great opportunity, and I would tell you they were good, and some were even better. But by not surrendering in those years through my middle to late teenage years, I think I did miss God's best. And I don't want you to settle for good. And I don't want you to settle for better. And I trust that God had a plan and a path for my life. But I do think some of you think, like I thought, I'm too young. That's what I thought. That's what the enemy, I believe now the enemy put that in me, you're too young. You couldn't possibly do this. And so I took every, listen, every distraction known to man, I did. In those eight years, and some of y'all understand where I'm coming from. I, I took every distraction, but it's not, there's no joy in the distraction. And so I think some of you think I'm too young, and you have to remember Paul's words to young Timothy, let no one despise your youth. And you have to remember, Abram could have easily said, God, I'm just too old. You're going to have to build this through somebody else. Look at me. Look at Sarah. We don't even have any kids. I'm just too old. I'm glad that Abram didn't do that. I'm glad that Hebrews 11 says that Abraham his new name, was a man of great faith and that God used him. And through the line of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob who wrestled with God and was renamed Israel and their 12 sons, his 12 sons, we find that the Lord Jesus Christ would be born. We see that it goes back straight to Abram or Abraham because when the Lord gives us a clear word, we must obey regardless of age or understanding. Some of y'all are here. God's hand is all over you. You're going to be miserable until you let go and let God, until you raise the white flag of surrender. You don't have to understand it, but you do need to obey. Also, as we learn to obey on our journey with the Lord, we must avoid detours of deception. I think for me personally, uh, relationships and even music at times, as much as I loved it, could have been at times a detour for me. And so I want us to consider the second half of Genesis 12. It's very odd, right? Abram's greeted in Canaan by inhospitable living conditions. There's not enough food, so they're going to head sort of south, southwest. They're going to go into the African continent and over into Egypt. And so it's very interesting. Now, God doesn't condemn him for this. He's taking care of his family. There's nothing wrong with that per se. He'll have to come back up to the promised land. But sadly, the latter verses in chapter 12 remind us that Abram didn't always trust and obey he calls his wife aside and he says, look, you're a good looking woman. And so I'm going to tell him you're my sister. Cool with you? Why did he say that? Because it's, you can negotiate with a brother. In fact, that's what often happened in antiquity. You would negotiate with a brother to allow a woman into a harem or particularly for Pharaoh to allow her into his house. You don't negotiate with a husband, you kill him. Now, I don't know about you, But even though I think my wife is gorgeous, I am not going to barter for her for donkeys and oxen and sheep and to save my skin, okay? We are not bartering. Fellas, little marital advice. Don't barter for your wife, okay? And don't lie. And I know some of you are saying, no, 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 no. Later, Pastor, over in chapter 20, it does say that she's his half-sister. I believe scholars have bought that hook, line, and sinker, and I disagree. As I fleshed this out and studied the Hebrew very, very deep the last few weeks, I do not think that was true. In fact, uh, his father-in-law, or his father, Tara, or earlier, said that Sarah is his daughter-in-law. Never says he's his daughter. And in fact, the only person to ever utter that was, well, she's really my half-sister... The only person to ever say that is Abraham. He's trying to cover his tracks. I don't believe for one second they were actually brother and sister. In fact, the Levitical law that would come later through Moses would condemn that unilaterally. There would be an absolute condemnation of such acts. It would be incestuous even if they were a half. So I want y'all to remember that a half truth really is a lie, okay? Now, I know just like the first service, nobody wants to write that down because sometimes we feel like we can get away with some half-truths, but a half-truth is a lie. I don't believe it was a half-truth. I believe it was a full lie. When we get over to chapter 20, hopefully before the rapture happens one day, we'll see it again, but I don't think she was his sister. In fact, what's interesting is her beauty is compared to Rebecca and Rachel, those who would come down the line in the family, and Sarah's physical beauty was remarkable But I love what Warren Wiersbe said about this whole thing. He said, What a poor testimony the Christian is when he or she mingles with the world and compromises. Someone has said, Faith is living without scheming. Abraham and all his descendants have needed to learn that lesson. Think about it. His nephew Lot lived with the world and lost his testimony and his wife. Peter sat by the enemy fire and denied his Lord. So what happened to Abram? At least for a little while, and he didn't learn his lesson because he would do it again later. At least for a little while, Abram stopped trusting God. God said, I'll bless those who bless you, I'll curse him who curses you. I'm going to get you, Abraham. I've got your front and your back and your sides. And Abraham said, Sarah, come here, come here, come here, come here. We need to make a plan so that if they want to take you, they can do it and not kill me. That sounds awful. How do you think it would have made his wife feel? What do you mean you're going to give me up to his harem? What do you mean you're going to give me up to his house? I am your wife. Again, I wouldn't try this, fellas. Can you imagine what the Egyptians would have thought of Abram after they learned? I mean, it's not the first time plagues would come on the Egyptians, right? God would plague the Pharaoh in his home again later, many generations later through Moses. So we see a pattern beginning to emerge. But imagine they would say, Psst, this is supposed to be the father of a new nation? He's a liar this is supposed to be the guy through whom the whole world will be blessed who are you kidding this guy's a schemer a conniver take your stuff and get out of here it's amazing pharaoh didn't have his head but pharaoh knew because remember pharaoh and the egyptians were polytheists they knew oh his god his god one of many must be a powerful god he's plaguing us so just get out of here eventually what the pharaoh of moses's day would do But he couldn't let it go and he would follow thereafter. Now, you know, it's very interesting because I think we have to remember, we can look at Abram and we can say, well, yeah, he did make a a series of really silly choices here. You know, Noah was a great bastion of faith. And then we see him passed out drunk in the bottom of his tent. Abram seems to be this bastion of faith, the father of Judaism and Christianity and Islam, and yet now he's lying? To save his own neck and to get some sheep and stuff well remember what James 3 2 says we all stumble in many ways remember what Galatians 1 says consider yourself also lest you fall remember what Romans three twenty three says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and it's easy for us to say oh good I'm not so bad I'm not as bad as such-and-such such or so-and-so, you know, and, and God did use some of that in my life. God did really tell me if he could use a donkey, he could use me. God really did confirm David messed up, and, and I can use you, Bobby, but be very, very careful with that type of character assessment. Everyone but Jesus stumbles in many ways, but this should not lead us to horizontal comparisons. Even though God may use this in your life for a brief time, I can't now look back and say, well, David did it, so I can do it. Well, Paul did it, so I can do it. Well, Abram did it, so I can do it. No, 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 no. Our standard, our first and our last, our alpha and omega must be the Lord Jesus Christ. You put yourself up against another person, you'll look better than some. You'll look worse than some. You put yourself up against the Lord Jesus Christ, (laughs) you're not there yet, friend. I love what I read in the Ray Comfort Study Bible. It's called the Evidence Bible. I'm reading it for my quiet time this year, cover to cover. And here's what he gave this illustration a few weeks ago, so I typed it down. He said, a little girl was once looking at a sheep as it ate the green grass. She thought to herself how nice and white the sheep looked against the green grass. But then it began to snow. And it snowed a lot. And the little girl looked at the very same sheep. But she thought to herself how dirty the sheep looked against the background of the white snow. And when I look at just other people, I might think, wrongly, that I'm pretty clean. I've gone through the gutter, but I've come out. God's cleaned me up. But I'm not to compare myself to you. And you don't compare yourself to me. We're to compare ourselves to the snow-white purity of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what happens when we do? We fall on our face before God and we say, I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. God, apart from your grace and your mercy, I could do nothing. God, thank you for saving me. God, thank you for using me in any way in spite of myself. God, thank you. I don't deserve it. The minute you think you deserve the blessing of God is the minute the hand of God comes off your life. Church, there's a reason Grace Baptist is being blessed. There's a reason Grace Christian Academy is being blessed and it has nothing to do with me or you it is the favor of almighty God that's what's going on in our day that's what's happening in our time we're not fooling anybody in the long run we all have ways in which we stumble and fall but that doesn't say we ought to be good with it The Lord plagued the residents of the Egyptian palace with serious diseases and divine intervention alone would deliver Sarah from Pharaoh's harem unharmed and unmarried to him. With deliverance became a royal rebuke and an expulsion from the country. I mean, the Egyptians, we know this when we study history. The Egyptians were a very superstitious people. And so they thought, oh, we've angered that god over there. And so somehow through the omens and the magicians, they were told, look, you got to get rid of this lady. The plague started with her and they'll end when she's gone. And so it's amazing they didn't even kill Abram and Sarah. But remember, God was going to protect them. But they took this detour this detour of distraction and detour of deception don't do that and it's not the first time the pharaohs will face plagues as we said abraham was being tested to the extreme but remember what 1 corinthians one twenty-seven says god uses the weak and foolish things of the world to confound the wise you know sadly What we actually see here is what we call a familial pattern or a generational curse. Do you know Abram's sons that would come would do the very same thing? They would lie. They would lie about their wives, they would try to save their own necks. He would have deception in his family, and dishonesty would really rule and reign through the lives of many of the patriarchs. They forgot one of God's top ten don't bear false witness. Your lies will come to the surface. In fact, you know when you lie about stuff, you have to remember a lot more stuff. If you just tell the truth, you won't have to stress your brain out so hard. And a half-truth is a lie. But I don't even think what Abram was saying was a half-truth. It was all lie. What have we learned? When the Lord gives us a clear word, we must obey regardless of age or understanding. And as we learn to obey on our journey with the Lord, we must avoid detours of deception. Now listen. I have to tell y'all something, I've never told it here, I've only told it one other time and uh, some of my friends from Florida that serve at church, some pastor buddies of mine that I used to serve with were here today, they heard it in the first service, Um, I'm going to confess, I never want to elevate the sin, I always want to elevate the Savior but I really do have a confession and I'm not proud of it but it really happened. It happened 10 years ago. Bobby's not here. He's singing um, at another church this morning, but it was with my son, Bobby, little Bobby. We called him Bo or Bobo at the time. And so um, we had a beautiful black lab, My, my, my big old girl, beautiful Labrador retriever, Lacey May. Lacey May was nearly a perfect dog, except she had a barking issue. When squirrels or rabbits would come into our yard or other things, she thought she had to bark and go crazy. So I needed a solution, and I'm pretty familiar with the hunting collars and all of that. But I was in Walmart one day, and I saw in the pet section um, a bark collar that said provides a mild static correction. So I picked it up and I thought, all right, we'll see. I know bird dog guys that use, you know, things. And I said, we're going to take it home. So for whatever reason, Bobo followed me into our bedroom and Cindy was on the other end of the house at our kitchen cooking or doing whatever. So Bobby and I are in the uh, the bedroom and we go into the bathroom. I get some scissors and I cut the package and I'm looking at this thing and I pull the little battery tab out and I'm thinking, now how do I know if this is going to work? (laughs) Don't get ahead of me, y'all. Whoa, 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 slow down y'all too smart you're smarter than the average bear so i'm looking at the collar and i'm looking at him and i'm thinking well i'm not gonna put it on <laughs> so i'm just like hey bobo come here bud i want you to help me with this what is it dad it's just a little collar for the dog what's it do dad it provides a mild static correction what is that dad just put it on come on and so you know listen i'm a good father i didn't strap it on his neck i'm not sadistic i just said let's just hold it up right here buddy And I said, I want you to bark. Y'all looking at me like y'all ain't never done something like this. (laughs) So I said, little buddy, I just want you to bark. And so, of course, he's a little bit timid. He goes, and it doesn't do anything. And I'm like, oh, man, this thing ain't working. So I'm like, look, boy, give it a bark. He goes, whoo, ah! (laughs) Screams to the top of his lungs, drops the thing. It goes into the sink. Of course, you know what I'm doing. I'm trying to cover his mouth. And as God is my witness, my wife instantly appeared at the door of the bathroom. (laughs) Instantly, she teleported across the house. And she's standing there, and she's assessing the situation. Tears are streaming down his face. I'm like, that ain't no mild static correction. And so tears are streaming down his face, and he's, booing. daddy made me put the collar on. Daddy, and so I'm like, would you please be quiet? And she looks at him, and she looks at me, and she looks at the collar lying in the sink, and she said three words that I will never, ever, ever get out of my head. Put it on baby look I would just put it on now she is sweet and she is gentle but in that moment I promise you there were flames coming out of her eyes and of course have you ever seen your kid who was really upset crying and the crying begins to shift to laughter and he's like yeah dad you put it on you put it on and I'm like you stay out of this And so he's now beginning to laugh. She's not going to let me out of the bathroom. I'm like, I'm the man of this house, and I'm going to put that thing on. And so I took it, and, you know, I kind of gently put it on to where the probes are sticking about right there. And then she said one more word that haunts my dreams. She said it. She said bark. And, of course, Bobby, yeah, bark, Dad, bark. And so, of course, I get away with the, no, Dad, oh, no. And I let out a big one. And I promise you, the packaging is full of lies. That is not mild static correction. And I learned a very, very valuable lesson from my sweetheart that day. When you do something dumb, own up to it quick, take your punishment, hello, and move (laughs) on just move on and from that day to this it has been a decade but we still they laugh about it it wasn't really that funny to me but the reality is I did learn a very valuable lesson number one if you own a shock collar don't test it on your children that's a freebie for today but number two when you do something dumb just fess up And don't try to wiggle your way out of it. Don't try to weasel your way out of it. You're going to be caught. And if your wife's not standing in the door, God already knows what you've done. Now, surely I'm not the only one that's done something that foolish. I hope somebody comes up and says you've done the same thing. But as Melissa comes to join me, I want to remind us all that we do need correction sometimes, don't we? Don't we all need to be corrected? And, And you know what? I don't want God to have to shock you into submission. And I don't want God to have to shock me into submission. But I do think there are times when God uses that divine collar to bring a reminder into our life. And here, Abram got in a lot of trouble in the journey. He could have very well lost his life, he certainly nearly lost his wife. But I want for you God's best and God's blessings. And even when you don't want to, there are two words you ought to live by obey anyway. Stand with me this morning. I'm going to ask you to pray for a few things. Number one, I'm going to ask my sweetie to join me on the platform in a second. And if you pray for our Brazil team, I think most of them were in the first service, but if you're going to Brazil, would you please join us and we'll just gather here. And if you pray for our mission... Uh, We're going to go share with an Indian group through my buddy Paul, who was um, my missions pastor years ago, doing a phenomenal work down there. Uh, It's going to be a great time, but please pray for the safety of our trip and our families as we're there. Pray for God's uh, open doors and hearts. We're really leading pastors' conferences primarily and doing some evangelism. So we'll pray for that. Um, Would you just pray uh, the life of the church and the school? I've never seen anything like it. Tomorrow. May, I start year 25 in full time ministry. It's crazy, but I've never seen a season like it. It's been the most blessed season of life and ministry, and I, I'm just in awe of God, and I don't want to get in his way. Um, and I want to tell you something we're going to celebrate too. Two years ago, we started a three year campaign called Freedom for the Future. The goal of that was to do projects like you're sitting in, a million-dollar renovation paid for, buying land, counseling center, and other things, all debt-free. But the church has had many, many years, even decades, of debt. And so I felt it very important, biblically, to be out of that for the big what's next, to have freedom for the future. Could you imagine having a 30 dollars debt payment in your own life every month? That will hinder you from doing a lot of things. I'd be in jail because I couldn't pay it. So um, I just want to tell you something that we're going to celebrate. Three weeks from today, on May the 21st, we're going to see if we can get the fire alarm system shut off so that we can do a note burning, and Grace will be debt-free in three weeks. So... Earlier than we anticipated. You don't hear that a lot. Earlier than anticipated. We're going to be debt-free for the great what's next. Um, Of course, we are still looking at our Grace Performing Arts Center. The architects are working, but that's a whole different thing. But Grace Baptist Church, for the first time in a very, very long time, will be